Who turned up the heat? The headphones is on fire again. <laughs> what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 183. You heard that right? Episode 183 of Combos Court. And I am Combo Punch. Down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And rate and review this show wherever you listen to Combos Court. Today's show, Eric Bossy of Rivals.com joins in. Eric is a national basketball analyst. He pays attention, close attention, to all the top-end high school talent in this country. A great conversation with Eric. Can't wait for you to listen in. You can find Eric on Twitter at EbossHoops. That's E-B-O-S-S-H-O-O-P-S. You know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Luca, don't do it to him. Eric Bossy, Rivals.com. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling today? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Eric is a national basketball analyst. Um, he covers all of the top-end high school talent. How has it been for you trying to evaluate talent during these times? It's been different, that's for sure. Uh, you know, the first month or two after quarantine hit, there was lots of high school film to go through, so we poured over as much uh, High school games with kids we could see from around the country that we didn't get to see in person or follow up some guys that you saw earlier in the year and you want to see how they progressed. But then it was kind of dead for a while. And now we've got maybe around 30% or so of the country is, is playing various summer events and things like that. So watching some of that with live streaming, which is far from perfect, but I guess it beats nothing, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, how often do NBA teams reach out? Uh, I know you watch a lot of film. You obviously watch a lot of games. Uh, it's more film now, more streams now, more Zooms now. But how often do NBA teams reach out to you, especially heading into the draft? Uh, really frequently. Um, you know, each year I have a few teams that I'll do some consulting projects for in terms of uh, okay, like providing background on players, where they were in high school, who's around them, you know, all that, that kind of thing that they don't really know and, and stuff. And especially it's, it's each year it gets to be a little bit more because every year these kids are younger and younger that are coming into the draft. Right. So right. I've seen them in a lot of cases longer than their college coaches have seen them or, you know, I've been with them watching their progress from freshman year in high school through freshman or sophomore year in college. And there's a lot of insight to be gained in terms of, okay, you know, it's crazy to think that only three years ago, this guy was a sophomore in high school and may not have even been considered a D1 player by someone in some cases, or, you know, just kind of fill in the blanks for them on how guys got to where they were and, and were they someone that was always thought of as this level of prospect? Are they a late bloomer? Did they, they slip beneath the cracks? You know, just, they want to find as much as they can about these guys. And I can, in some cases, help fill in some blanks for them. Are they more questions about the player as a person or the player's ability, you would say? I'd say it's a pretty, it's a pretty even mix. As, as with anything, <laughs> the more talented you are, the, 
the less concerns there seem to be about you <laughs> as a person sometimes, right. but right. sometimes on some of the guys who there are maybe some questions about the, the character comes into play a bit more. And I think in general though, it used to be a lot of lip service about character and culture and things like that. But the more and more I speak with teams and, and get to know different uh, people in various NBA organizations, I'm really starting to find that it actually does matter a lot more than it did maybe five, 10 years ago, right. just because there's so many great players out there. There's so much money being given to, in some cases, still teenagers or, or guys in their early twenties that, teams really want to be sure of, of what they're investing in and who they're investing in. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes I laugh, Andrew, it's like, they'll call me and be asking me these questions. And I'm like, well, why are you asking me? You know, all the answers already. Right. The, the, the depth that most teams going on background right now, it's, it's pretty crazy. You know how much talent there is out there. Um, my belief is that every generation gets better. You could correct me if you're wrong because you pay attention to high school basketball probably closer than anybody I could think of. Do you believe the current climate that we're in will have a negative impact on the development of, you know, just talent in this country? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because – Obviously, not everybody has the same access to gyms. Not everyone is getting to play. There's certainly going to be right. a little bit of a lag, but I guess it's going to depend a lot on how much longer is this going on. You know, do does the high school season come to an end? Do we play college basketball? These are things that we don't know yet, right? Um, if if we lose out on all those things, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm sitting here looking at things like. California has already decided their high school basketball season isn't going to run until March to June of 2021, right? right? So already, I know there's kids in California that are out searching for alternatives to be able to play this winter. Or maybe kids in California next spring are going to have to choose between do I play high school ball or do I play travel ball? And that's not going to be the only state that's going to have questions like this before we're all said and done and things. So we're still just kind of finding out what the what the broader impact is going to be but i think we're going to see a lot of big changes at the grassroots and high school level and that will kind of you know roll uphill through things how do you think high school basketball will look this year like i mean i'm hearing that some kids aren't even going to go to school throughout the country do you think there'll be high school seasons in general someone will come up with something uh i joke about it some but it almost feels in a way that we may be heading to the winter of AAU high school basketball, for lack of a better description. A AAU NBA basketball, too, the way yeah. they play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I, I think you're going to see some kids that, you know, they may stay and, and be going to school at their home school, but maybe they'll go play with some prep school for a weekend or someone's going to organize some kind of league because, you know, there's there's all these different options available to guys now. It's like... I almost feel like if a few more state high school associations start pushing things back or, or holding things off that we're almost on our way towards the high school version of the bubble. Yeah, man. It's uh, what kind of precautions are they taking during these uh, tournaments? Is it, is it, are they taking temperatures? Cause I'm hearing things like, like they're making kids socially distance when they're not actually in the game, but they're at the event, but that doesn't even make sense because they're going to be playing against each other. So like, what have you been yeah. seeing? Yeah, I think I think the mileage varies. You know, if, if I'm watching a live stream on, on Baller TV or, or SUV TV or something like that, you know, I, I can't really tell what's going on. Right, right. Of, yeah. Of those type of things. And at, at Rivals right now, OK, we're owned by Verizon Media at the top of the at the top of the food chain because we're part of Yahoo Sports and Verizon is Yahoo. Right. So 
we're currently under a travel ban. Like even if I wanted to say, go to South Carolina and go to an event that I would normally go to because they're running it, work says no travel. All I can do is go somewhere that I can drive and it doesn't include an overnight, it doesn't include an overnight stay. So in the last three months, I've only seen live basketball twice. I've seen a small event here in Kansas City and then basically a camp here in Kansas City. Now, both of those, everyone was masked up on the inside. Uh, there weren't really a lot of people around. So the social distancing was was pretty easy to, to keep in place, but it's not like there were people walking around and being like, no, 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 you're two feet too close to each other. You need to spread out. But there were temperature checks at the door. There were uh, waivers that you had to fill out to get in. and you know, hand sanitizer readily available all the way around. So I felt about as safe as I could feel in the environment. But, right. you know, I've, I've heard from people who've been at other events that it's, it's maybe not quite the same. Eric, um, obviously, as we just talked about, there's been complications with evaluating talent. Uh, I'm sure it's the same for colleges. So do you feel like a lot of players will slip through the cracks and vice versa? Maybe some guys ending up in places they shouldn't be. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really going to be interesting because one thing you'll see, uh, the people who do follow the high school recruiting, I'm, I'm sure they're noticing kids are committing like crazy right now. I kind of thought going into this that it was going to be the opposite, that everyone was going to sit back and wait and wait and wait. But what's happening is guys are saying, you know what, I don't know when I'm going to be able to take visits because currently the NCAA has a dead recruiting period until August 31st. There's a lot of coaches I've spoken to that are afraid that could last as long as till maybe December or January. And right. you got kids sitting around like, man, I, I don't want to wait till then to have to take visits. And what I don't want to wait is say, I don't want to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm John Smith and I want to go to Texas. Right. I'm pretty sure I want to go to Texas, but I want to take a visit first. But I see five or six other guys that Texas is recruiting and now, rather than wait to take my visit when I don't know what will happen, I'm just going to go ahead and commit, right? Because I want that spot. And you're seeing a lot of that. Also, though, like you say, we're going to see it's hard to go to schools where you don't have a relationship and you haven't been there in person. So I think we're going to find a lot of guys that maybe could go to a higher level, have relationships with more low and mid-major schools. And they've been Somewhere there. they might feel comfortable. Yeah. And also, too. A lot of these guys who are going to low and mid-majors, they're guys that in the traditional summer would have maybe blown up in front of college coaches and gone from a mid-major to a high-major recruitment, right? Well, those guys aren't doing that. So I think we're going to see more so than any year in recent memory, we're going to see a lot of low and mid-majors or lower-end high-majors like steal some guys that they might not have gotten been able to get in previous years. But then that rolls into transfer is a real deal in college right now, right? So yeah. And it's about to become the as, as, much, as wild, wild west as it is already with transfers. Sometime in the next year or so, it's going to be passed one-time transfer with no penalty. So all these schools are going to get steals right now. And then even more than they already have had to, they're going to have to fight like heck to get the kids to stay there. Yeah, the, the transfer thing is so interesting. And, you know, to your point, it's amazing because if we would have had March Madness, who knows who would have blew up during that who knows could have like sparked an NBA career for themselves who might not ever get there now. Right. It's like so many players trajectory might've changed. Do you believe that if you're good enough, you'll get there when it comes to the league or, you know, a lot of people missed out on that March man. A lot of the players missed out on that March. Yeah, opportunity. I think, I think for the most part, but it, it I mean, some, some of it is situation, right? And yeah, there's, there's so much situation and opportunity. And right. As you know, like, 
the NBA, you've got your set of superstars, and then right. you've got kind of a next tier of, of upper end players, like you know, like third and fourth options on teams. Right. But once you get past those top three or four guys on any team, you're talking about a lot of situational role players. Hundred percent. And for let's say if you take Okay, you got 30 teams. Let's talk spots 10 through 15 on the last 30 teams. That's 150 players, right? Right. I bet you there's easily another 150 players that aren't in the NBA that are just as good as those guys in those spots. So my theory is is that those guys that aren't there are more go-to type players that aren't good enough to be go-to type players in the league. Yeah, that too. Or they just haven't accepted the role that they'll play, right? Right, right, right. Part of part of having a long time career in the NBA, if you're not a star player is being willing to understand that, hey, you may have been a star player all through high school and all through college, but you know what? Your role now is to play good defense and make a corner three when you've got a chance. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's, that's a tough adjustment for anyone to go to. And that's why sometimes I think you'll see guys who were maybe kind of, and I wouldn't call them just role players in college, but maybe like a guy who's like the, the number four guy at North Carolina or something like that. You know, a really good player who because of his role in North Carolina, you don't think about as, as being an NBA player. Like, you know, even Danny Green, like he was better than a fourth player at Carolina. Right. But you never thought of him as like, ooh, that guy, man, I think that guy's going to last in the NBA for 12 years. But that role that he played in college was perfectly tailored to the role that he was going to play in the NBA. And so when he got there, right, he was, he was accepting of it and he was able to excel in it. And, you know, that's, that's not the same for everyone, but guys who are willing to look in the mirror and give a, a true assessment of their ability and what their role is at that highest level have, have so much better chance at succeeding because, you know, they get it and they're going to be lower maintenance and they're going to be reliable. And, you know, that's exactly what you want out of a role player, right? A hundred percent. It's amazing. You mentioned Danny green, because I think he's the X factor. Like if he knocks down threes, the Lakers will win. And it's funny because if you put him in an open run with, let's say, you know, 10 guards from EuroLeague, right? He might blow you away the least, but he's the guy yeah. in the league, you know? <laughs> right, yeah, you never know. It's, it's, it's so much about fit and opportunity and willingness to accept that, hey, this is my fit. And for sure, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that if they would just accept, hey, you know, this is who I'm going to be, they might have longer careers. For sure, for sure. Eric, let's shift to Musa Cisse. Uh, he decided on Memphis. What did you make of it? Um, you know, look for the longest time, like LSU was going to be the destination, but Memphis was always right there. So, so not a huge shock in terms of a uh, destination or anything. And certainly is going to a place that needs them bad. Uh, James Wiseman gone, even though he only played three or four games or whatever, uh, Precious Chichua gone, right. you know, Memphis, Memphis has got plenty of guards and wings coming back, but they, in the middle, they really needed kind of an impact guy, and he should give that to them because everybody talks about his shot blocking and his rebounding, and those are certainly his strengths. But I tell you what, and, and I hope this gets proven right on the college level, I think that guy's a lot better offensively than people realize. He's got good hands. He's got some touch. He's got some instincts. It's just a matter of uh, being confident on that end on a regular basis and, and, and keeping that motor running. But I think – I think he might surprise some people offensively, but he certainly makes Memphis a different team that they've got that guy to anchor things down in the middle. How does he look defensively as an NBA player? Is he a switchable defender? Yeah, I think so. He's got, he's got good lateral quickness. Um, he's got length. He can, you know, you don't get to see a lot of this on the high school level, like especially 
what he was on, you don't get to see like, hey, can this guy really hedge and recover? Or, you know, can he get caught in a switch and, and force a guard to give the ball up? Um, that remains to see, but at least the physical tools and the instincts I think are all there. Now it's just going to be a matter of learning and adjusting to those situations. Yeah, uh, Maker McCurr to Howard. Um, I've heard you call it a win-win. I couldn't agree more. Do you feel like he's a trendsetter and this will lead to more top-end talent going to HBCUs? And do you think he will even end up in a Howard jersey? Yeah, I think that all remains to be seen because obviously Maker, he's still in the draft, so he's got to make a decision about right. whether he stays. Uh, you know, me, I think he could probably use some college. Uh, use because he, he's – He's kind of bounced around a little bit. You know, he had some injuries where he didn't even really play for a year. We was up in Canada, and we really didn't know what was going on with him. I think college college would be good for him. I think college is good for a lot of these guys. Definitely. As much socially and being able to mature a little bit and, and, and get that kind of foot out of the door of, uh, to being on your own for the first time, it's, it's a big part of things. And, you know – if he makes it, if he, if he goes to Howard, if he pulls out of the draft, like there's, there's not going to be any shortage of attention there. Right. Like it's going to be a big story. He's going to have all eyes on him and he's going to have a chance to do something different. Now, how much more is, is that going to happen? We'll see. We're certainly seeing a lot of guys start to put guys on their list. You know, um, Mikey Williams, a big name in the class of 2023. It's crazy to think that a 2023 player has already put out his top 10 for college. Right. But his list is, half HBCUs, you know, so that's, that's, cool. that's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a step in the direction of, of something different and potentially a movement happening, you know? So, and anytime there's a movement and you have to have the, the first guy willing to, willing to make that jump and willing to do it. And now we got to see if, if other guys follow and see if uh, some, some momentum can get done with this. Like, like I'm, I, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm all for people doing what they think is the best route for them. And I, I like guys who aren't afraid to go off the beaten path and, and maybe do a little bit of the unexpected in terms of getting to their final destination. For sure. It's great for HBCUs. And uh, as long as Maker plays well, if he does actually uh, go to Howard, I mean, he's a lottery pick. So it works for everybody. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting thing to see. I, I, I'm, I'm never one. I, I like seeing some stuff get shook up a little bit. For sure. Um, you might not think I was going to mention this name, but I really wanted to hear your thoughts on his game. How do you think Peyton Pritchard's game will translate to the NBA level? Uh, man, we, we, we do these roundtables every week, and it was maybe like a month or two ago I wrote that I was pretty surprised that there's as little buzz about him as an NBA player um, as there is because, okay, we've been talking about guys willing to accept their roles, right? Guys willing to – do whatever it takes. Like, like he's one of those guys. And I don't know. He's just got big nuts to me. He's a winner uh, on, on my team. I've, I've watched him do what he did at, at Oregon. I watched him on the high school level. You know, I don't know if he'll play in the NBA right away, but his, 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 his tough shot making ability, which is key because being able to shoot is so important for a guard right now in the NBA. That helps him out a lot. Um, Right. Is he a world beater athletically? No, but he's not like, he's not like some concrete footed dude who just changes speed, changes speed. speeds really well. Yeah. You know, like I look at like, if you want to compare him to another Pac-12 guard, like let's, let's look at like Nico Mannion. Um, Pritchard is way ahead of the curve defensively than Nico Mannion is. 
and probably a little bit further ahead offensively. Now he's also three years older than Nico. And so you're factoring in some youth and some upside and some things with Nico. And I think Nico probably has maybe a little bit more burst at the end of the day, but you know, where's, where's the big lag between those two that are in the exact same conference. If you look at those two, it's, it's pretty clear who had a better season. Right. But obviously, you know, Pritchard's a little bit older and it seems like uh, age hurts these days, but I, I think that guy eventually finds a way to hang on in the NBA, and it wouldn't surprise me if he plays seven, eight years before it's all said and done. Now, will it be as a starter? Well, probably not, but, you know, I could certainly see that guy being around for a while. Yeah, I'm with you. He's super tough. What do you think about that when teams just pass on guys because they're a little bit older? It, it doesn't make sense to me, but I feel like always that's pretty easy for me to say sitting here in, in my in my – in my chair at my table and, right, and right. you know, second guessing things like would I do something different, you know, once you're in there. Cause, cause I get it. Like we're, we're all, we're all tantalized by, by product or by a potential. Right. And, you know, every organization feels like, Hey, we've got the tools in place to really unlock this, this kid's potential. So I get where it comes from. And certainly I certainly made plenty of mistakes in, going for potential and, and pie in the sky, like it all works out perfectly over a proven commodity. You know, I, I do that all the time. You know, I shoot, I, 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 I talk about it all the time. You know, the biggest mistake I ever made was ranking Scott LeBissier over Ben Simmons in high school. You know, like I just was so caught up in a little, you know, here's this guy, he's seven foot, he can do this and that. And if it all goes well, like how is he not the better prospect? But, what I failed to realize at the time and to take into account is, you know, most of these things that I really liked the skull was doing, he was never, ever again in his basketball life going to be asked to do those things. So I was, I, I allowed eye candy to trick myself. And it wasn't a dislike for Simmons. Right. I loved him. Like, I thought it was basically like, which, which future all-star do I think should be number one is the way I was thinking of it, you know, and it's just, Turned out, man, <laughs> was really wrong on that one. I'm glad I wasn't, you know, in a position to draft guys right then because I would have done – I probably would have done that had I been drafted. Right. Not saying you were slandering Ben, but the Ben slander is still here today, man. Everybody's doubting yeah, him today. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It, was, it wasn't slander at Ben at all. Like I say, it was – Oh, no, was right, right. In my mind, it was, it was like, okay, I think these two kids in this class are head and shoulders above everyone else, and I think they're both going to be longtime NBA players and probably and probable all-stars. But I was like, ooh, Skull, he, he can shoot. He moves so effortlessly. Like, you know, he's going to be like a, a face-up four who can do all this stuff. But, you know, I got tricked by him dribbling the ball up and shooting threes. This is just not things that was reasonable to think he was going to be asked to do at any level, whether it had been college or in the NBA. And, you know, it was, it was an important lesson learned. I think uh, all of us, we've got a tendency to try and explain away our mistakes sometimes in or to, to justify oh you know i was wrong but i was right you know here's why i was right at the time you know sometimes you just got to take the l and learn what you can learn from missing out on something and i think people who follow you through the years like they love that out of people because we're all human we're going to make mistakes and yeah it's better to just own up to it and learn from it than to just hold on to some fantasy of how you were still right even though you were 1000 percent wrong Right, right. Do you ever get the the the, the Twitter, the Twitter, uh, the the tweets coming at you when you were a little bit wrong on something? I mean, you evaluate so much talent, you're bound to be wrong on something, you know? Oh, of course, yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> Twitter message boards, all that stuff. You know, 
it, it happens. It's, it's going to happen. Right. We're dealing with like, okay, NBA teams get it wrong all the time, right? hundred NFL yeah. NLB teams, they get it wrong all the time. So, and they're doing that with a couple more years of information, a couple more years of uh, transformation and, and maturation of these kids. So we're yeah. doing it at the high school level. Like there's, I always look at it like this. Okay. I got a guy wrong. Is it because I saw something right in front of my face and I refused to acknowledge it? Okay. So that's on me. Did someone just randomly grow like three or four inches? Well, you know, I got no control over that. I could have never seen that coming. Right. Or hundred percent. Yeah. It, is it some other factor? So what I like to do is I try to figure out, okay, is this something that I could have controlled by doing a better evaluation or, or digging under more things? Or was it just something that I just had no control over? And the ones that you have no control over, you, you kind of let those go. But the ones that you did recognize a mistake you made, you try and learn from it. And right. that's what it's all about to me. I'm, I'm obsessive about looking back and trying to learn from things. And this isn't like, oh, I ranked this guy number 16. He should have been number 12. Right, right, just, right. But like, oh, okay, you know, we had this guy in the top 50, probably should have been in the top 25. Here's why I see this now. Now I got to try and not make this mistake moving forward. Right. You live and you learn. That's how you get better, man. That's how you get better. You look back at your mistakes and you improve upon them. Before we get out here, uh, you've been more than gracious with your time. Thank you. Uh, Cade Cunningham, if he was in this draft, let's put a hypothetical, would he be the number one overall pick? What do you feel like he has to improve on? Um, great player, great poise. What do you feel about his game and how do you think his game will translate eventually to the NBA level? I think it'll translate pretty well. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's, He's probably six foot seven. He's strong. Right. He's not like a freaky, freaky athlete, but he's, he's a plenty good athlete. And at his size, it's minimal how, you know, he doesn't have to be that athletic with as big and skilled as he You're is. You're saying his game isn't predicated on athleticism, but he's still athletic. No, but right. he's athletic. Yeah. Right. He's, exactly. He's skilled. He's, uh, you know, you've seen some people will compare him to Grant Hill. Uh, I kind of, I kind of, I kind of think he's kind of a Scotty Pippenish kind of guy because of how good he is defensively too. And he's probably not quite as explosive as Scotty was, but he's this big, long dude who can handle the ball. You can run offense through him. He's, he's a dynamic, switchable defender. And the other thing about Case, he's, he's just got that air about him, uh, a confidence it that all the great, great players seem to have. And he's a worker. Like that guy, if he doesn't make it, it's not going to be because he didn't put in the work because he's going to leave no stone unturned if he thinks it can improve his game. And, you know, I, I think I would probably – seriously consider taking him number one in this draft just because you know there's there's some excitement and and some ultimate upside things about a james wiseman or an anthony edwards but with Cade, the proven production is there you go watch him play you see that he raises the level of players around him he's a winner he's always been on winning teams that's 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 a key to me too and you know just uh He's a little bit more on the safe side. And, yeah. and I, I just feel like even if he's a bust, quote unquote, he's still going to be pretty damn good. For sure. For sure. Who's, who do you think will be the best player in this year's draft coming out? It's a I tough one. Tend, it's a tough one. Yeah. I still tend to lean towards James Wiseman. Okay. I, I know there's a lot of people who question, does he love the game? Does this? But I, I, I really think there's a lot more for him to unlock. And I also think that being in the NBA and being able to focus solely on basketball and now having the financial means to eliminate some distractions and things like that and say, Hey, you know, like 
leave me alone, let, let me be and not have to worry about everything else and, and, you know, get into hopefully a stable environment where we know it's like, all right, I'm here for the next three or four years. These coaches are working with me. I have nothing else to worry about. I, I, I just like him, you know, Anthony Edwards is awesome too, but you know, I guess, and maybe this is illogical thinking to me, but it seems to me it's a lot easier to find a six foot four, six foot five, a shooting guard who can be good in the NBA than it is to find a seven footer who can be good and who can play new age style basketball. And maybe that's a flaw in my thinking and in that, you know, it's, it's harder to find somebody who a James Wiseman can be than it is to find someone that Ann Edwards can be. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong for that, but I just, I just kind of lean towards Wiseman just, just the slightest bit. Eric, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, let the listeners know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Sure. Yeah. On, on, on Twitter, you can find me at eBossoops. That's E-B-O-S-S-H-O-O-P-S. And of course, at basketballrecruiting.rivals.com, you can see me, Corey Evans, all our team doing all the stuff that we do. We're, we're all active on the social media and we'd love to hear from anyone. Eric, great work. You're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. I appreciate it, Andrew. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you for tuning into Combo's Court. Big shouts to Eric for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Also, take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your IG stories, tag me at 1-2-Combo. I'll share it. Be on the lookout for episode 184. Combo out.